welcome to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. How you doing, Jimmy D? I'm a little, a little tired, a little exhausted. It's been a, a rough weekend for real football, but a pretty decent weekend for fantasy football. So I'm, uh, you know, flip flopping from last weekend or last recap, if you will. But get to talk about sports, so there's no place I'd rather be. Dude, happiest day of the week for me. I just got back from Missouri. Uh, it was very, very cold up there, and then I went to work today. And I thought I got pretty used to the cold being up north, being back and work in Texas. I thought I was going to be A-OK. I was going to warm up a little bit. But I forgot about this one lady that's in our office. And she's crazy. It's 95 degrees outside. And it costs an arm and a leg just to keep things cool inside for the average person. We have a huge facility at my work. And there's this lady that just loves it being like 61 degrees at all times. I remember my first day of work, you know, you dress up really official, really nice and stuff. I was wearing this polo and stuff. I walk in and everyone's wearing sweaters and has blankets at their desk. I froze the entire first day. And honestly, today I was just in such a hustle, completely forgot to bring extra clothing. And with the lack of layers, I was dying. And so I, as soon as I could, I just ran out to my car and got back here and got to a normal temperature. So really there's happy an article. Yeah, there, there's articles out there about uh, whether or not corporate America is sexist based off of the, the temperature that they keep buildings because they like to keep them, generally speaking, a lot colder um, than warmer. And it's like that's uh, offensive to the the female colleagues. But I, I remember people when it, when I was at an office having like space heaters. Like it, it seemed like everyone would would run two or three space heaters, and, and it just really makes you think why any company would want to have people come back to the office when they can save God knows how much money on just electricity based off of to your point, people just running stuff that is insane, or you know, keeping a massive five thousand, ten thousand plus square foot building at sixty degrees at all times. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know why companies do what they do, but here we are. I fully subscribe to that. And it's crazy. We we also have space heaters that we put right underneath our desks. And one of my friends um, moved to a new facility and the facilities that we're at, like they're highly flammable. They're very dangerous. Like you got to be very, very careful with what you're doing at all times. And she put the space heater under her desk. She's a little nervous, kind of fidgeting, blah, 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 just being in a new facility. And she accidentally kicks it over and starts a small fire under her desk on her first day. <laughs> and she called me about it right afterwards. I'm like, I am so sorry. Yeah, but that's, that's one way to stay warm. Exactly, exactly. So let's get into the news. Um, we're recording here on a Monday. Uh, kind of a big bomb got dropped on us this morning. The NFL announced today that they are dropping the Pro Bowl officially. They are no longer doing this fake game that no one really cares about. And they're just there to pick up a check. And it's basically the consolation for, oh, you didn't make the Super Bowl. Okay, you can go to the Pro Bowl now. Uh, we've talked about on previous pods how much of a sham the Pro Bowl is. And so now it seems like they're doing a week long of competitions. It's kind of vague. And it's going to all come to a conclusion with their uh, flag football game at the very end of the week. So uh, what do you think about this no, new Pro Bowl format? This needed to happen. The, the players haven't been playing the Pro Bowl game for 40 years now, but for some reason the NFL was forcing it down our throats. They even tried to hype it up the past five years. Like, oh, everyone, come watch the Pro Bowl. It's going to be the best of the best playing. And it basically was flag football. I mean, if you saw offensive and defensive linemen, they were kind of hand fighting a little bit and then called it good. I, I don't know if you ever saw a single person actually sprinting on that field. Like, there's just nothing great about it. So. I'm glad they're going to more of the skills challenges because I think it was actually fun last year watching people play dodgeball or, or just do random things that you don't think of for an NFL player. But then like you see them do and you realize, oh, these people are just elite at everything they do. And I think that's just way more enjoyable to watch than a 
a facade of a football game. I have said this before, and I'll continue to say this. The Pro Bowl and the NFL reached its end whenever Kobe died on the same day as the Pro Bowl in 2020, right before COVID hit as well. And not a single person watched that Pro Bowl. Like everybody cared way more about literally any other event that was going on, but especially because it was a big event, they completely gravitated to something else. So that's whenever the Pro Bowl died in my mind. And I, I fully agree. I'd much rather watch all these skills competitions, especially if they can make some of them enthralling. Uh, I remember back in like early 2000s, I don't remember when exactly they stopped doing this, but they used to just like let the quarterbacks get a ball and just like throw it as far as they could. And it was like really, really good TV back then. And that's whenever we had like not the most amazing quarterbacks, like the best quarterbacks were like Brett Favre and a young Tom Brady. But there were a bunch of just pretty average guys that got elevated just because the level of talent wasn't super high. It's like Chad Pennington and stuff. And they're launching at like 60 yards. But now I want to see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and some of these other guys just like launch it like 100 plus yards. Because if you're not in the if you're not in the Super Bowl, like you don't really care about throwing out your arm. Like you can ice it for a week or something after that. So it's a good excuse just to see like how much arm strength some of these guys truly had. I, I hope they bring some of those back. What are some of the competitions you want to see? I, th- I think honestly, they could do a, almost like a punt pass kick. Just see, you know, who's the most athletic as far as just launching a ball. I want to see like tug of war between linemen. Maybe That's a, good one. A, a lot of like the draft type things, so like a bench press competition. Just just the kind of things where it's like you just want to highlight just how insanely freakish athletic these people are. Uh, yeah, even like almost like some track events, like having Miles Garrett throw shot put and just be like, oh look, he's only a couple feet behind Ryan Krauser or something like that. It's just like, Oh, this guy would just be elite no matter what he does. Those are the types of events that I think the NFL could use to highlight how amazing their athletes are and really just bring into perspective that these dudes could have been the best at anything they wanted to be good at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think they could really incorporate some of the non-sports stuff too. Like I was joking earlier that they could do some really dumb stuff, but like, Doing like something like esports, I think, is a really great idea. Something to kind of get that would be huge game. now because, like, it seems like all the young receivers and quarterbacks are really into gaming. You know, there's the joke about uh, Kyler can't play if COD drops. It would be kind of cool to see a, a four on four Call of Duty match or, or even just like a battle royale type match in COD Warzone of just everyone that makes their Pro Bowl and seeing who can who can outlast each other. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be pretty entertaining. That'd also be a way to get more people interested in what's going on. Yeah, imagine being a fan, just being in a lobby with a bunch of different NFL players or something like you could really bring in some younger fans that way. And I think one of the cool things that NBA has done recently is they have individual esports teams for each individual franchise. And like this could be a cool time for the NFL to usher in something similar because Madden's huge. Madden's not great. It's not a great game. Have, have, have you played Madden 23 yet, Jimmy D? No, I, I always wait until it's either insanely discounted or even free. So I got Madden 22 for free from Amazon Prime because EA hasn't changed the game since Madden like 11. Yeah. So I'm not going to waste my money when I can play the exact same game, you know, year over year. I, I, I don't need to play the my ultimate team to feel accomplished i'm fine just kind of playing the game yeah it's all the same glitches with just a fresh coat of paint every single year it's kind of I don't even cool. know if there's a fresh coat of paint I, th- I think they just fake that too yeah honestly they add like a couple more beads of sweat onto each individual player make them look more real somehow yeah and so i think this would be a good time for them just like get into that i i played the recent madden um relatively recently with a buddy i 
I refuse to pay money for it as well. And it's really fun on the next gen consoles, even with it being just like not the most amazing games. But this might be a good opportunity to really push Madden into that direction. I, I would like to see other non-sports stuff too. Like I think a baking show would be really enthralling or just like a bunch of other, just like a car wash tournament or something like that. Like who could wash a car first? Like I think we could get really creative with a lot of the things that happen at the Pro Bowl and it could make for some pretty good TV in my mind. So. Chess tournament. Dude. <laughs> have you heard about the chess tournament? Uh, yeah. Stuff that's just, just yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. That's the real sports news we should be talking about. Yeah, honestly, I, I won't get into it, but James is referring to this guy. He's a grandmaster at chess that is accusing one of his opponents of cheating in a recent tournament in St. Louis. Uh, there's been some wild theories about why and how the guy was cheating. And he actually came out with a statement today, like blatantly accusing his uh opponent of cheating and so it's wild watching these two grown men just complain about chess but it's a lot of fun um moving on there's been some other news going on as well uh this is more of a psa for folks so i'm down in texas down in the the gulf uh the gulf court uh gulf coast excuse me and one of the big things that we've been talking about a lot is hurricane ian uh, it's about ready to smash the gulf coast and that's specifically going to hit the florida area and so they're thinking about postponing or moving the game between the chiefs and the buccaneers this weekend so if you have any of their fancy players definitely be paying attention to that uh some injuries that happened this past week there were a good amount of them and a lot of them are fairly impactful uh rashawn slater the star left tackle for the los angeles chargers is out for the season he got injured this past week against the jacksonville jaguars so one was really unfortunate because it happened in garbage time the game was well out of reach at this point the final score is 38 to 10 and there's only a few minutes left in the game when the injury happened and yeah rashawn slater who was a big big person for their pass blocking and run blocking is going to be out for the year at left tackle it's one of the most important positions in football um how do you think this affects the team going forward jamie d Losing a player that important is just going to be painful for any team. You know, we, we talked about it earlier this year with Ryan Jensen going down for the Buccaneers, and, and you saw it this Sunday where they couldn't get a snap off on an extra point, right? Uh, so you, you kind of see the effect of losing these these key pieces that maybe you don't know because they're not the skill names, but they're really important to the offensive line. So you, you're just your running backs potentially – are going to have a, a rougher go of it. You know, there's going to be less zone running and probably more dedicated type uh, runs to, to like a certain pos- or a place. Whereas like Eckler performs really well out of his own scheme. Herbert's going to have to get rid of the ball more quickly, which he's already been under duress the whole season enough to where he broke his ribs or th- the cartilage in his ribs. So everything that the chargers are going to be doing going forward is just going to be done a lot more quickly and, and probably going to be a little bit less, um, I guess less flair or less uh, less exotic type plays. Like it's going to have to be pretty much. You've got your your two reads that are, are running five to ten yards, and and maybe you know drop a seven man protection to get a deep shot occasionally. But it, it just limits what you can do because you already have a quarterback that's going to be gun shy or, or trying to get rid of that ball, so he's not taking hits on those ribs. And and I mean to your to your point that the best pass rushers are are now getting going to get to go against a a second stringer. Yeah. The Chargers were one of the top teams that I thought of this past uh, at the start of the season. And it's really, really sucks to see them just completely fall apart, which we've seen in the past. It's really repeating itself this season. 
it's not just a Slater injury either. You know, Allen hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Jalen Guyton went out there, kind of like their slot receiver, third receiver. He had a really, really impressive catch uh, from Herbert this past week. Herbert, as you mentioned, has a lingering injury. And honestly, it seems like it could re-injure itself any day now. And it just feels like things are really starting to add up. J.C. Jackson at corner. Yeah, he just not coming back from that surgery that, that they thought he would. Yeah, at least not at the, the level that he thought he would. Yeah, he's not like back to that elite level of production. So, like, honestly, I, I had the Chargers at number three in my power rankings last week. Like, I don't even think I'm going to have him in the top ten. Like, I, I We're trying to put him together like while we're doing this podcast. It's been a busy day, but I, I don't really see a path to them actually making the playoffs or even like competing in the playoffs going forward. Their, their division's too tough. The defenses are too good for, for to, to overcome the injuries that they've sustained. Obviously, it's the NFL. Anything can happen, but it doesn't look great for them right now. Yeah, and like if it's this early on, like you got to think like last year with the Ravens. Like they had a very, very good start, and then the injuries started piling up. And it really starts to snowball after a while. You replace one guy with another, and then what? What can you do? You can only have so many bodies before you're really scraping the bottle of the bottom of your practice squad. So I don't know if there's. I haven't really looked at the market yet. Maybe there is a replacement left tackle or something that they can potentially sign. I think of like Jason Pierre-Paul just filled in for the Ravens' pass rush. Ndamukong Sue is still sitting out there just doing random investments with Warren Buffett. Uh, there's guys that are out there that are fairly quality because the NFL's middle class has been really, really stretched thin. But I think the Chargers are just kind of shit out of luck at this point. And it really sucks. I, I like this Chargers team a lot. I, I love Staley, their coach. I love Justin Herbert. But better luck next year. And hopefully they can get rid of some of these demons. They need to, need to get a priest in there or something. Yeah. Well, speaking of better luck next year, Mac Jones injury. Uh, you know, the, the Patriots weren't looking good in general. The uh, Matt Patricia experiment for offensive coordinator is the failure we thought it would be. And then now our, our franchise guy goes down. They're, they're getting second opinions, but it's it's looking like he's going to have to get surgery on his ankle out, you know, maybe six to eight weeks. I don't want to have to watch Brian Hoyer play football for the next six weeks, but that's what it's going to look like because for some reason we won't just give it to the rookie Bailey Zapp. We're going to be like, you know what? The destroyer can do it. It's going to be tough. It's it's going to be painful to watch. I, I'm just glad I, that we got to watch Mac Jones against the Steelers because if it was Hoyer leading the Patriots against Mitch Trubisky Steelers, that might have been the least enjoyable football game in the last 10 years. Uh, it, it's tough. Hopefully we can win some of these games, but if not, we might just have to do the full tank and, and hope we can get like a, a top five pick for a receiver or something. It's, it's bleak in Foxborough right now. Yeah, it's like funeral vibes up in here. We're, we're, we're sad for it's, our boys. <laughs> it's, it's tough. <laughs> I think I, there's some of the reports that I've seen. Mac Jones may not be out for too long. It looks like it may be just a week to week thing. It seems unlikely he's going to play this week. So we might get some Brian Hoyer and uh, Zap, which I think would be really, really fun. Uh, I think there's still a chance for the Patriots. I mean, yes, the division's very, very tough, which is what makes it really hard. I, I texted you this past week and I was like, when the hell did the AFC East get so competitive? Like it's actually like a bloodbath for the first time in a long time, seemingly. So it's usually ran by the Patriots and welcome to the NFL. You know, like the rest of us teams, we have to compete like normal people and y'all have just been the golden child for so long. So uh, I think it's a little more up on the up because like other guys have stepped up a little bit like Devonte Parker, Damian Harris and everything. But it's yeah, like you said, it's a little bit bleak. Uh, another guy that also had an injury, but is off the field was Miles Garrett. Uh, reports came out earlier today that he was in a car wreck. He rolled his car on the highway. 
nothing critical, nothing life threatening. And it doesn't really seem like he's going to be missing time from what we know as of now, um, which is a good thing. It means the injuries definitely aren't that severe, but definitely a scary moment. Like they were describing how his car rolled as like his Porsche or something like that. And it rolled multiple times. So um, happy that Miles Garrett's doing okay. So, and then the last injury we wanted to go over was the Tua concussion. Uh, did you end up seeing the video of that? That was wild. Like the way his head whipped the ground, that was that classic, oh, he's out for at least a week, maybe even next week type thing. You know, he stands up and almost collapses back over. This one really felt like a failing of the NFL concussion protocol because he, he did go in. Obviously, he passed the test, but there's a certain point where it's like, yeah, any elite level athlete's going to say, oh, I'm good. Coach, put me back in. But for the sake of the young dude's brain, like how about we don't? you know, grind his brain into a pulp when he's only 24 years old. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome that they got the win, but is it really worth it if, you know, you're borderline just like ruining your your long-term brain health? Out of that, that was a weird one. It's just a weird one. Yeah, they said that the injury was a back injury. It wasn't a head injury, and it was a back injury. That was a head injury. They're so full of shit. I know, and people were getting really upset because it was like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter that were saying, oh, you know, it wasn't a head injury. Or like, are you guys getting information directly from the NFL to say exactly what they want to say? Is this just like a propaganda machine going on? And it definitely looks like a head injury to me. I don't want to play armchair doctor or anything like that, but he definitely wasn't his self from last week. He didn't look healthy after that. It was also really hot. So people were also speculating that is potentially some level of cramps going on, just all compounding. And then he, that's what caused him to fall over. But that looked like a guy who didn't know where he was. That was a guy who didn't look like he knew what his name was. So definitely a scary moment. Um, but the Dolphins ended up hanging on and winning that game. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch the game, but where I was at, it was the game on CBS, luckily. And did you see the the thing with Ken Dorsey at the end where he was like freaking out in the press box and then someone just randomly like reached their hand in front of the camera? It blocked it before it got too ugly. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, I want to know if he continued the tantrum because obviously if you're allowing six seconds of it to be shown and then like, oh, and this is still going, let me block the camera real quick. You know, almost as nearly quick thinking on, on that guy's feet. He, he kind of showed that real uh, Bill's like hustled, you know, to get to the line and, and save a play or something is like that guy is basically on the same, same wavelength as the Bill's offense, you know, like, oh, I probably should have rushed this a little bit sooner, but here we are. Damn, that's an indictment. But yeah, someone on Twitter, they said, Snickers, here's your new commercial. And I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, the non-football related thing for today, the Cleveland Guardians ended up winning their division. So we wanted to give them a quick shout out. Uh, I was explaining to James how exactly it went down for their season. So the Guardians have one of the smallest payrolls in all of baseball. Big money ball vibes in a lot of ways. And they managed to just kind of scrape and crawl their way to stick around halfway through the season. And then about 30 games ago, they were being they were neck to neck in the AL Central with the Minnesota Twins, the Chicago White Sox, not really the Royals or Tigers at that point. And then all of a sudden they just took off and now they're almost 20 games over 500. So a really impressive season. Uh, shout out Terry Francona, Jose Ramirez, some of those other guys that are there. Uh, they, they did a full teardown almost trading away guys like Francisco Lindor, Mike Clevenger and everybody else. And it's pretty impressive to see them put together the season that they had. Now, do they do anything in the playoffs? I don't really think so. 
but it's kind of cool that the first season that we have the Guardians ended up being a pretty successful one. So uh, oh, I'm just glad to see, glad to see Moneyball work out. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's cool to see. I, I think we can point out. So it's it's definitely old news to this point, but you and I haven't recorded since Albert hit 700. So yeah. I mean that was cool. It was enough. It was big enough that I, the not baseball fan, was aware as soon as it happened and was was watching highlights. So. That was pretty awesome for sure. Yeah, it's crazy that everyone's just like stat watching baseball right now. It kind of feels like the um, old uh, races that they used to have for home runs, just like two guys going back and forth. We don't really get that anymore, but now we have like Judge shooting for 62 and we had Pulo shooting for 700. Um, it was definitely climatic. 19 home runs at his age is super impressive. And here we are. The Cardinals are going to the playoffs, so hopefully you can keep it moving. All right, so it was an eventful week. This past week for fantasy football, we had a lot of winners, also a lot of losers. And so we're going to go uh, position by position to determine all of those. So, But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Today's pod is brought to you by the crack between stalls in the bathroom. I don't know what it's like in the ladies' room, but in the men's room, there's a pandemic going on. No, it's not dudes yelling Kobe as they throw paper towels in the wastebasket. It isn't COVID-19. It's almost as contagious as both of those things. It's overly large cracks in between bathroom stalls. And no, I'm not talking about your Uncle Billy the plumber who wears the saggy Wranglers. For whatever reason, the space between pieces of plastic or wood that make up bathroom stalls is widening and at an alarming pace. What kind of sickos are trying to see you in your most vulnerable position? When you're crouched over like a cat trying to give birth? What's sexy about peeping at that point? Do people really want to watch me fight demons? also known as my undigested corn from my burrito bowl at Chipotle, is because the stall installers want us, as end consumers, to be able to know if someone is in the stall. I don't know. Maybe make better functioning locks if accidental walk-ins are a problem? Crazy concept. Honestly, these stall cracks make the bathroom-going experience an incredibly intrusive and uncomfortable one. Wandering arteries are a thing, and some of us stand when we wipe, you know. Let's get back to this pod before this turns into a full-on tirade. Alrighty, and we're back. So we're going to start up with the quarterbacks and work our way through. So for our winners this week, we had Lamar Jackson had to wear his jersey today to fully represent him at 46, 40.6 points, Jalen Hurts at 27.6 points, and then Josh Allen rounding out the top three at 26.7 points. So what sticks out to you, Jimmy D? I, I saw, and I don't know if it was you posted it and I saw it or if it was something else on Twitter, but someone pointed out that Lamar currently is sitting like fourth in odds for the MVP, uh, like for betting. I would be hammering the shit out of that right now because he is playing out of his mind. I, you know, I got to watch his game and the, the Patriots defense did a decent job of, of keeping him contained for what feels like as much as you can. And it's just like, man, it was just an onslaught. You know, the, they're just so capable of taking advantage of turnovers. Uh, I mean, he was able to break free for like a 50 yard run out of nowhere I mean, just the, the explosive potential that he brings to an offense is, I think, just really in, in full effect right now. You know, I think like Rashad Bateman dropped a, a for sure touchdown pass or, you know, just like just grazed his fingertips kind of thing. Um, that, man, the, the Ravens offense, you got to feel really great that you get to watch that every week if you're a Ravens fan. That defense is um, less than stellar, but, you know, if they can force turnovers and that's all this team really needs to win a lot of games. Exactly. Like the Ravens are two and one. They're one of the best teams in the FL right now. Um, there's not, there's is there, how many, how many three and O teams are there? 
I'm trying to think through. Uh, just dolphins. One, just just the dolphins, right? Is it just the dolphins right now. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because the Giants play tonight. Yeah, so Lamar Jackson's doing everything he needs to do on a team side of things. There's been a stat going around that Lamar Jackson, who has 12 touchdowns right now, has more touchdowns than the rest of the NFL, which is insane. Dude's doing everything he can. He's leading the league in yards per carry at 9.3 yards per carry, which is almost a full yard above the next closest guy. And that's on way more volume than the next closest guy, which is DeAndre Swift, who, for whatever reason, Dan Campbell just refuses to give carries to, but that's a different conversation. Uh, Lamar Jackson is doing everything he can to get paid this offseason, and good for him. He's truly having an MVP season so far. And yeah, it was it was me who was looking at the betting odds, and I'm like, Okay. As much as I love Mahomes, like he doesn't have the production yet. And then like Josh Allen was number one. And I'm like, Josh, like as good as Josh Allen has been this year, like he did not win this game for them against the Dolphins. Like he had an opportunity to do so. And he kind of freaking blew it. And I, I watched that game, which like, I, I, I don't want to continue to shit on Josh Allen, but like he had like six or seven passes, which easily should have been caught for interceptions. And for whatever reason, Dolphins defense just dropped them inexplicably. So uh, and a big takeaway for Lamar, uh, as far as like MVP voting, because we've talked in depth about the the narrative is so big once the, the voting actually happens. You know, when your lead target is as Andrew or as Mark Andrews, so it's a tight end that just bodes really well for, for what you're doing. So, you know, Josh Allen has, um, has Stefan Diggs and has Gabe Davis to throw to that are, are, are fairly, you know, I mean, okay. Diggs is a, is a top, top 10 receiver. Gabe Davis is a very respectable receiver. You know, no one's going to be like, wow, what a, what a bum there. Tua has, you know, just elite weapons around him. Mahomes doesn't necessarily have weapons outside of Kelsey. It's like, it's where it makes Lamar and Mahomes look just that much better that it's like, oh, wow, they're putting up huge numbers and their best receiver is a tight end. It's just Lamar's numbers are so much higher right now. That's like, I don't know how anyone else could be in the same conversation through three weeks as the caveat. Yeah, hundred percent. And what's interesting too, is like, this is back to back weeks at number one for Lamar Jackson. Like he is killing the fantasy game right now. Been the quarterback MVP for sure. If you end up snagging him in a later round Um, and ADP, he was going like four or five, depending on which service he ended up looking at. So uh, his statistical case so far for MVP is also incredible. He's kind of on pace, similar to his MVP season that he had whenever he became the youngest MVP ever. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Action Jackson, he's just absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, one more point, just so we can really continue fellationing Lamar Jackson here. He, I believe he's RB4. So if you take away his passing stats, he's RB4 right now, right? So, I mean, that's just incredible. Like, if you would have known that, that that almost makes him a first-round pick, right? I mean, if you know that you can have one position that's a quarterback plus RB4, I mean, you just take it. So his fantasy production's unreal. His real-life production's unreal. It's, you know, just, just kudos to him. I, and you made the Gabe Davis point with the receivers. Gabe Davis is a talented guy, but I, I have a question for you, a little, little fancy or a little uh, trivia thing for you. How many 100-yard receiving games do you think Gabe Davis has? In his career or this season? In his career. I'm going to go with one. I think like week one last year, he had a pretty big game. Yeah, he has one regular season game, and then he has a second in the playoffs. So he has two in his total career. Is that crazy? And like we loud him as like uh, that's really so, that sounds right, dude. Fancy. Yeah, we we knew that hype that hype train preseason. We were, you and I were both like that. I don't know if I'm buying it. No, fantasy pros though, they're still on it. I looked at it before this week because I was having a debate with a friend, healthy debate. No one was getting mad about Curtis Samuel versus Gabe Davis going forward. 
And Gabe Davis on Fancy Pros is wide receiver 14 going forward for their rest of season rankings, not just like in the now. And I'm like, there's, oh, what, where's the hype train now? I don't really understand this. If there's one thing, because I, I love Fantasy Pros, but those guys are are very slow to get off their takes. Like they they take their takes with them to the grave. They will, they will not get off them. And that's one where I think you have to watch the tape and be like, yeah, we can push Gabe Davis down the uh, down the rest of the season here a little bit. Yeah, and I'm just like looking. At it, I was like, Curtis Samuel's got like running upside where Gabe Davis doesn't. Like Gabe Davis had some really good opportunities this past week. He had a couple drops that probably should have been caught. A couple big passes that would have ended up being really really big for him. So the opportunities there. His A dot looks amazing. Uh, he's just not really converting and he doesn't really have the track record either outside of one huge playoff game, which I think everyone is still anchoring to, but that's whatever. <laughs> that's yeah. a sign. So up. then for, for Jalen Hurts and, and Josh Allen, I definitely winners in the sense that they had good weeks, but I, I think you and I aren't necessarily fawning over them right now. Cause this is kind of like what you're expecting when you drafted these two, like th- this is the kind of performance you need to see, you know, two or three touchdowns and maybe a rushing touchdown, something like that. Um, I, they're both performing well and consistent, and I think the consistency is the key because you you need that out of a, a high pick quarterback. Um, but I think this is just kind of like the performance you're expecting out of them, and you know, not to act as if a 300 yard passing performance is is no easy or is like an easy feat. But you know, if, if these guys were doing less than 25 points, you're going to be like, oh, like, what the hell is going on with Josh Allen, right? So a, a winner, kind of, but I, I'd call it just like a this is. The, the expectation uh, yeah. with these fantasy assets. Yeah. Jalen hurts is elevating Philadelphia like crazy right now. Uh, it is a little weird how he's been oscillating a tad on his favorite receiver week one. It was AJ Brown. And then this past week is Devonte Smith, which we'll get into the, with the wide receiver winners, but he has them saying pretty, Oh, they're the other undefeated team. So there's two undefeated teams. They're three and O as well. We forgot about them. So the Eagles have been flying super high. I just think it's so funny. just like looking at this. So we have Lamar who's at 40, points and then the next two guys are both under 30 points like that's almost a whole player's performance gap if you look at the full season points it's 104 lamar and then josh allen 89 like it's almost like lamar has played a whole extra game it's just like how dominant he has been thus far and honestly i think that he's the the fantasy mvp thus far if you had lamar on your team this past week it's pretty much a guaranteed win Let's go ahead and get into the losers of the week. Not exciting, but has to be done. Uh, One of the biggest losers this past week was Russell Wilson, 9.1 points. Danger Russ did not look dangerous at all. Uh, Big, big losers this past week as well were the the hot guys from the previous two weeks, Joe Flacco and Carson Wentz. Both of them scored under 10 points this past week. And then one of the most obscure performances thus far has been Justin Fields, the Bears have been winning, which is very strange, but he was one of the biggest losers this past week at 6.9 points. Nice. And he had less than 100 yards this past week passing as well as two interceptions. But the Bears keep winning, but he does not look good at all. The big takeaways for the losers here, because honestly, of all these assets, the, the one most owns definitely going to be uh, Russell Wilson. You got to be just really scratching your head. Like, what was the point of them bringing this guy in if – all they are getting out of him is 150, 200 yard type passing performances. I mean, he's like missing wide open Jerry Judy's and, and things like that. It's, it's bizarre for sure. It's almost like you shouldn't skip preseason when you're on a new team, but you know, what do we know as fans, the Flacco and Wentz, I mean, you, you're streaming these guys. So no one really cared. Like maybe some people were starting Wentz this week and are, are pretty bummed out about that performance. But I think anyone with a slight analytical 
uh, you know, I guess um, an analytical sense about them would have been like, damn, he's he's got a rough matchup with just what's going on at that defense in Philly. I, there's it's pretty tough to to do well when your team gives up nine sacks. I'm, I'm sure he held onto the ball probably too long on a couple of those occasions. But I mean, when Slay is blanketing Scary Terry, you know, just, it's just going to be a rough day. So it's almost that was like expected out of Wentz. You know, if you would have put up a, a winner week, I'd have been like, everyone needs to be trading for this guy because he's actually playing well again. And then Fields, I, I've watched every Bears game this year because my best friend's a Bears fan. So I, we just end up watching the games together. Oof, man. I, I think that's all you can say. Like, you traded, it's twice now that the Bears have traded up to get their franchise guy. And it just looks like it. They just whiffed, right? So they they trade up to get Trubisky. It just didn't work out there. Trade up to get Fields as as that we're moving on from Trubisky. And th- not only is he just he doesn't look great when he's in there, but like they don't trust him to throw the ball. So it's one thing if he was you know throwing a ton of interceptions, slinging it all over the place, but they're the coaching staff has so little faith in him that they're only letting him throw the ball at most ten times a game. To the point where like a play action pass is borderline a trick play for the Bears right now, which does not bode well for offensive success. It, I, I mean, I almost want to be surprised if he's going to go the way of the chosen Rosen and just get cut after this season. Like, I, I just don't know how you can say, well, this is our guy, but also not trust him to at least throw the ball 20 times in a very close game. It's not like they were winning the whole time. Like it was close neck and neck. They were behind at times and they just were like, we're not throwing it. Yeah. To give maybe a more uh, direct example and I, I hate to say this because I really love Justin Fields, but he's starting to give me Dwayne Haskins vibes a lot. Like both Ohio State quarterbacks that excelled looked like they could make all the throws and then they just make it to the NFL and just really fall flat. So I hope they can turn it around. And the coaching's been okay from what I've gathered. Uh, I haven't watched every Bears game like you because I have. They're doing what they do. can. Yeah. I, I, they, they don't have offensive talent on that team outside of running backs. Yeah. So it's really sucks to see just like how poor the entire offense has just really performed thus far uh but the defense has been getting it done and they've been winning games so uh i hope justin fields can turn it around i i, I do like darnell mooney i do like cole Komet, like as real life players not as fancy players um and they have the talent to just like turn it around they just like it just aren't doing it and it's one of the more inexplicable things that have happened so far this season yeah, so then if you look, like, I mean, just kind of moving on to running backs, and, and I hinted at him. So Khalil Herbert had, I mean, far and away the best week, so 28.9 points. To your point, Jamal Williams, which is like, why is this not DeAndre Swift? It just makes you want to, you know, scream at the top of your lungs. And then old man Patterson just back at it again with another, you know, great performance. When I see this list, man, if you had the, the balls to start Khalil Herbert, you deserve everyone in your leagues that you get. Cause I have plenty of Khalil Herbert shares, but it's like, you're not starting him. Like, right. You're stashing him and waiting for the David Montgomery injury. It just so happened that Montgomery injury was in the first quarter of this game. And then Khalil Herbert just feasted the rest of the time. So he's again, he's going to be one of our waiver wire guys later. And we'll talk about that then. But I, I mean, there's no way you played anyone that started Khalil Herbert. Like that would have been such a sleeper galaxy brain pick that there's just not happening. I'm curious, like, I mean, because you watch the Lions games, like, what is it about Jamal Williams that does he have dirt on uh, MCDC that like he get just gets every high value touch in this offense? Like, what is going on there? Dude, I it's inexplicable. It's uh, it's amongst the Justin Fields confusion on most inexplicable things this season so far. Jamal Williams this past week, he had 20 carries to DeAndre Swift seven. DeAndre Swift last week was a top 10 running back 
and the man only had six touches the entire game. And he still ended up as a top 10 right back. He's clearly one of the most efficient running backs in all of football. We got a little bit of an explanation later earlier today. DeAndre Swift apparently has an injured shoulder. Dan Campbell was saying that he might end up missing a couple of weeks, which would really suck. Uh, the plan that I've heard thus far is that he would sit the next two weeks, and then whenever he comes down to Dallas to play in Dallas, after I think they have a bye weekend there as well, then he would end up playing that game, which I would be happy about because I'm going to that game. Um, but it's just really, really, it really sucks to see. Like we have this really talented player that is incredibly explosive and looks like one of the best players in all of NFL. Like people were talking about him before the season as like the next CMC kind of guy because he can do it all. He can. Uh, he can make the catches. He can do the, the rushes. He's got a little bit of uh, CMC in him. And it's just for whatever reason, Jamal Williams gets those really, really high value rushes. And this past week, he got the 20 carries. Like he got the volume as well, even when it wasn't just on the goal line. So um, maybe the injury will end up changing some things. I was really peeved about this yesterday before we knew the DeAndre Swift injury news. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really think it's really... Dan Campbell is a leadership type of guy. If, if anyone watched Hard Knocks, you know about this, about him. Like, he cares about values. He cares about guys that work hard. That He cares about guys that are just leaders in the locker room. And Jamal Williams is that guy. And I think Dan Campbell's trying to establish, like, if you're going to be a gritty player, we are going to reward you. And is in, in a organizational kind of behavior sort of vibe, you appreciate that. But in like a fantasy football realm or all we want to win games realm, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to be handing the ball off to your less dynamic player. So uh, maybe we'll see a refresh Swift. It doesn't really seem like the Lions are going to be winning a lot of games this year anyway. So maybe it makes a little more sense to rest Swift for next year. But from a practical fantasy point, uh, it really sucks seeing Jamal Williams just be the ultimate vulture at all times. And, and to your point, it- because when Swift has the ball, he's just so much better. I mean, he he just makes these big plays. And, and you drafted him in the second round, likely. And you're just like, why is this free agent, as far as fantasy draft goes, just getting 20 touches versus the the clear blue chip guy that could be, you know, with 25 carries, I bet he outperforms CMC almost no problem, especially in this offense. It's just like, why is he not getting the ball? And it, it just hurts. Yeah. Uh, but just speaking of pain and second round, first round running backs, not a good week if you're a... Mixon, Kamar, or Eckler owner, right? So Eckler had one good game this year, but it, things are starting to look pretty bleak at, in LA, and I, I wouldn't be feeling too great if I had Eckler. Kamara's kind of having that that real, you know, is this the the end type fall off for running backs? And then Mixon, I I don't know if he's had a good game this year. I'm not sure that I mean the Bengals themselves haven't had a good game, but this was the get right game. It was the Jets. You were up the whole time, and you got three point eight points. I'm, I'm just not sure what went on there uh i mean do you have any any light to to shine on that i think mix is just bad <laughs> eckler eckler i blame it a little bit more on if it's on his offensive line but uh we were looking at the yards per carry statistics for all of these guys this week uh, amongst guys that have more than two carries so just taking out all the outliers in that sense Eckler is dead last in yard per carry at 2.5 yards per carry. Mixon's right down there with him. He's like at 2.8. Both of these guys have struggled mightily, and I don't think we hyped up either of these guys too much at all. Definitely not Mixon. We talked about Eckler a little bit, Um, but it's just older guys that are in these uh, worse offenses that just have bad offensive lines, and this is just kind of what ends up happening. Um, Kamara, it just really seems like that 
when he doesn't have Drew Brees passing off to him in the, in the flat with these short passes, he just can't be an efficient, fancy running back anymore. And uh, I was hearing discussion today about, is Kamara the worst first or second round pick, depending on your league uh, pick the, this season? Is he like the ultimate bust so far? And honestly, he truly might be. He's he's done nothing for you. And and fantasy, like, it's nice to have those boomer bust guys because if they boom for you, then they're like completely playable. But like Kamara's just getting you like five points per game. He fumbled this past week as well, and that really hurt his production too. So uh, all three of these guys, I'd be panicking at least a little bit. Eckler had eight has 80 yards on the entire season, which is a was which is what Khalil Herbert did today. And Eckler's done that in three games. So uh, I think you need to be hitting the panic button a little bit on those guys. But do you think any of these three guys have a lot of trade value left? I think they do based off of the brand recognition because they've been consistent performers. You're going to find people that are, are willing to overlook the this first three weeks. Um I think you have to kind of manage your expectations. You're you're not going to flip Joe Mixon for Lamar Jackson, right? Like not because generally speaking, right? You could be like, oh, you have an RB one for quarterback, and it, it's an enticing trade. But I, I think you have to really be like, okay, can I get a wide receiver through? You know, can I get Gabe Davis for Joe or yeah, for a Joe Mixon or Kamara, something like that? You know, that that might be the kind of trade you have to make, or or something along those lines. And then then it comes down to you know, what person is, is going to be willing to swallow their pride and say, you know what, I would rather have Gabe Davis than Alvin Kamara. And I, I, just, I think you, you're going to stick with the, I would prefer to see if, if he can figure it out versus like, damn, I'm dropping this for a, a seventh or eighth round asset. Even though obviously what round you drafted doesn't matter at this point, it still is going to be in the back of any fantasy owner's mind. Yeah, I think that they're good by low candidates, but that's just because I didn't really draft any of these guys to any of my teams. So I'm going to definitely try and poach some of these guys off of other people's teams, but I don't know if Gabe Davis gets it done just because of the name value that you mentioned. Maybe like a Terry McLaurin gets it done or a Yeah, but I'd rather have Terry McLaurin. I mean, like, really? I, I would rather have, yeah, I'd rather have these guys. I mean, Terry McLaurin's he, he still got a touchdown yesterday and he had slay on him. Like he's, he's getting the usage you want to see out of Terry McLaurin. Right. Okay. What about like Allen Robinson? On. Oh, I would I would rather have any of these running backs over Allen Robinson. I, I went off the Allen Robinson ride. I'm not enjoying it. Okay. What about Jerry Judy? Ooh, I'll take Jerry Judy. He's getting the targets. I think they'll they'll figure it out. Um, because like even last night, like Jerry Judy gets good targets in this offense. Russ is just like overthrowing and, and doing very uncharacteristic things. Um, so the, the hope is that Russell Wilson can turn it around. Yeah, thank you. I, I I trust Russell Wilson to turn around and get accurate balls to Jerry Judy more than I trust that Saints team to be an offensive powerhouse anytime soon. Yeah, goes to show how dire the situation is for these guys. And honestly, a little bit of better touchdown luck could really turn around some of these guys' seasons. Like, hell, if Kamara goes off for six touchdowns in a game, we're going to look like idiots talking about him for Gabe Davis right now. But just in, like their base production and their base opportunities, it just doesn't look so great. Okay. So that's the risk we play by recording ourselves. You know, that's that's the game we do, and, and we're here for it. Dude, someone's going to take a sound bite about this, like, after the season. Just be like, I told you so. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's look at the wide receivers now. The winners were interesting, to say the least, this week. Stays pretty normal at the top. We got Devontae Smith with 22.9 points. And then the next two guys, Mac Hollins for the Raiders had 22. And then Tyler Boyd had 16.5 return of the Tyler Boyd. So um, I think my biggest takeaways here, Tyler Boyd uh, with Cincinnati Bengals, like 
it seems like they can support multiple receivers in this offense. T. Higgins had a pretty big day. Jamar Chase had a touchdown. He ended up having a fumble as well, which hurt some of his points. But Tyler Boyd's been sticking right around, and he's been a pretty solid wide receiver. Honestly, not a scary flex play at this point. Uh, I guess the guy here that I think has the least staying power is Mac Holland. So right now he is leading the Raiders and rece- and receiving yards. He's wide receiver 20 so far. Do you think Mac Hollins, who's a 29 year old journeyman, do you think he has any staying power at this point? To your point, the other guys I feel a little bit safer with are I don't know, Tyler Boyd's tough because he's so big play dependent. Even yesterday, he had a crazy, like, broken tackle that turned into a 70 yard touchdown, and that was like his entire production. And, and you just can't rely on that. It's definitely a. A good flex play of a like, holy crap, the team I'm playing is just clearly better than me. I need some some good fortune to win this one. Like that's kind of when you're playing Tyler Boyd. Devontae Smith, you're finally starting to see, you know, the the like Jalen Hurts is definitely a better passer than I would I'll say we, but definitely than I anticipated him being this season. And he's really supporting two good receivers and and AJ Brown as well as Devontae. So I you know, you feel very safe about his potential for production, especially because you probably drafted him late enough to be your wide receiver three. And you're feeling you're like, you're feeling really good about him just getting those targets. Finally, Matt Collins, I, I dude, I don't trust this Raiders team right now. Like I, you know, if you have Devonte Smith, you'll, you'll have that touchdown upside every week. I think he's had a touchdown every week, but man, I, I don't know what is going on there. I think Raiders fans are, are freaking out. You're, you're starting to hear people say, Oh, thank God. You know, Josh McDaniels will be back in, in uh, New England by by midseason and we can kind of get our offense figured out. I just it's I, I think Raiders fans won off the roller coaster right now because it it's only been going down. You know, it's been it's been pretty scary to to be in the black hole. Yeah, the Raiders aren't looking too good so far. They are 0-3 right now. And I saw a report that the Davises, the owners of the Raiders, pulled Josh McDaniels ex- uh, aside and they went into this little conference room and had a little talk after the game so definitely scary hours for the Raiders right now one thing that I really wanted to highlight as maybe like a cheat code going forward if you will Jeff Okuda of the Lions so he's not overly well known with the normal fantasy community because he's a defender but he's a cornerback for the Lions um amongst draft Twitter draft people he was very well acclaimed coming out of Ohio State so much so that he ended up going third overall to the Lions. Now, why am I talking about all this? Obviously, because I like the Lions. But on top of that, he has been locking down people this year. So the previous two years that he's been in the NFL, he's been very injury prone and hasn't played a lot. But this year, he has been going absolutely off. So I, I want to read you some statistics so far. Jeff Okuda has faced uh, 12 targets so far this season. Not a lot. He just like has locked down to the guys so much that he's been going against as the primary defender that they just haven't been open. There's only been seven completions out of those 12 targets, which is a very good rate. Seven out of 12 is a good rate. And then only 50 total yards have been given up to receivers so far this even season. So that's in three games, that's less than 20 yards per game. Now here's the guys that he's been going against. Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, and Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson just had his worst game of his career going against Jeff Okuda. So going forward, I, I all I have to recommend is don't start the guy, or at least maybe have a little bit heavier of a pause thinking about starting the guy who's going against Jeff Okuda because Devontae Smith put up a goose egg 
going against Jeff Okuda. Scary Terry had a terrible game, and Justin Jefferson just had his worst game of his career. So um, going forward, I have I honestly don't even have the Lions schedule memorized, but I just want to I just want to keep that in the back of people's minds. The Lions are playing the Seahawks, so like DK Metcalf might have him on a little upset watch this upcoming week. And we we clearly see Devontae Smith is still good. He was wide receiver one this past week. But I just wanted to put that in the back of people's brains going forward that Jeff Okuda's season, it might be finally here. Great. Uh, and then as far as like the, the losers this week, DJ Moore, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. DJ Moore, that one hurts, but I don't think people are – were as high but man justin jefferson i've been hyping him up he was like my third overall pick in, in half my leagues or you know like just a, a first round pick and then tyreek a pretty consistent second or early third those hurt when you put up a 2.9 performance and you're like oh the lions have like the 30th ranked defense they're giving up all these points and then you just see justin jefferson do nothing that one's physical pain and then for tyreek you're like oh the bills both their safeties are gone like he's going to be running deep and it's just it just didn't happen it, it in all, in all fairness, I think this was just a tough week. There were not huge scores in fantasy this week, but it, it just hurts when it happens to you, you know, seeing your your guy not do what you needed him to do. Yeah, it really felt like DJ Moore was calling up Odell Beckham Jr. after the game and being like, oh, this is what it's like to be a wide receiver one with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. Like, it's a pretty miserable experience. He ended up having uh, more success running the ball this past week as a wide receiver. Uh, I... Definitely think DJ Moore is a buy low. I, I think the underlying statistics make a lot of sense for DJ Moore to improve, but God, it's been absolutely brutal. The dude hasn't even eclipsed 50 yards yet this season. Um, I, I hope he can turn it around, but and I hyped up DJ Moore a lot going into the season. Like everything made sense, right? Like 1,100 yards and three straight seasons. It only made sense for him to continue it going forward. And as ADP, it made a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield just can't support a wide receiver one so far. And it's really, really strange. You want to go again to tight ends? Yeah, let's do it. So the winners then, obviously Mark Andrews, this one hurt watching. Cause I just watched him freaking posterize our, our uh, secondary David and Joku. I mean, I, I was texting you. So he had a, a big 19 point performance against the Steelers. And I was like, man, imagine if like the Atlanta Falcons had a guy like this, that was just always open over the middle, big body could be a safety blanket, you know, could get 10 receptions and, and just look good doing it. Uh, but unfortunately the Falcons don't seem to like to do that. Then you have Travis Kelsey just having a, a Travis Kelsey type game, got the touchdown, got some good, some targets. You, you thought maybe he'd even get more because the game was very close the whole time, but uh, you can't complain about your tight end putting up 16 points. And Kyle Pitts we have as a winner just because like, he finally got a couple targets. I mean, they get him the ball and he gets 50 yards and it's like, Oh my God, who would have thought that your best athlete is good when he has the ball in his hands. It, it, you know, it still hurts that you're drafting him in the third or fourth round and his best performance thus far is 11 points. But hopefully this is a sign of things to come where they're like, wait a minute. If we give Kyle the ball, we move it down the field. If we move it down the field, we score points. Yeah. Like that should hopefully be the logical progression in the mind of a, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, the math is mathed on Kyle Pitts. Like finally passing the ball to your best player. They really opened up the offense a lot. Cordell Patterson had a good game. Drake London had a really good game as well. So finally things are starting to click a little bit in Atlanta. Kyle Pitts had more receiving yards and one catch than he did in the previous two weeks, which is crazy to think about. Um, other, other 
places here with the tight ends. Mark Andrews, back-to-back tight end one games. Last week, he was the number one tight end this week as well. Really impressive start to his season so far. Uh, And then Travis Kelsey. uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. I I heard from a lot of Chiefs fans and Travis Kelsey owners that they were overly pleased with his performance this past week. Like I got some trade offers that included Travis Kelsey this past week. And it just goes to show how spoiled we are with Travis Kelsey. Like he had a quote-unquote bad week and he's still tied in three on the week so um a really really impressive player and i i would have been pleased with having travis kelsey on my team who who did they try to get for travis kelsey because if, if it was someone pretty reasonable i i would be hammering that because again to have a tight end getting you double digit points week in and week out is an absolute blessing and, and to your point people have just been spoiled with with kelsey performances yeah i, I just don't know how you'd be like uh only a wide receiver one performance out of my tight end. Get this shit off my roster. Yeah, it was a lot for like other guys who have had hot starts like Amon Ross, St. Brown, um, amongst other players too in that package. So it didn't make a lot of sense for my teams because it was also for teams that I already had a good tight end in, um, a la Kyle Pitts. And I'm not willing <laughs> to give up on him yet. Uh, but yeah, the, the people are hitting the panic button a little bit on Travis Kelsey. Would, would you do, would you do uh, Amon Ross straight up for Travis Kelsey? I think I would rather have the Kelsey side of that trade. Yeah, if it was a Monra and something else significant, I wouldn't be happy about it. But I would, I would do. A I, I, th- I think so too, and, and it would hurt because we see what the what the Wing Dragon looks like. Yeah, but. like a Monra could be a league winner, but at the same time, like Kelsey has been there, done that. He is the pit bull of the NFL, so I think you got to go with Kelsey. Yeah, I think I, very quickly we we can just say okay, if you had Uzama, Gesicki, or Alberto, you're not happy. But at the same time, like you're not expecting these tight ends to perform. These were like moonshots. You're probably safe to just drop them if you need to. I, I don't. I mean, if you want to dwell on it, we can. But I don't know if we need to. Yeah, I just wanted to real quick point out: NFL teams need to stop paying money to tight ends that they're not going to actually utilize in their offenses. Mike Gesicki got the franchise tag this past year. He's playing w- not worse, but just less than he has ever had in the entire uh, in his entirety of his NFL career. Um, he's playing less than 50% of the snaps right now in Miami. And then CJ Azuma, start, uh, he signed a three-year, $24 million contract this past offseason with the New York Jets. Man has like two catches on the entire season so far. What are NFL teams doing? That's all I, That's all I want to say. <laughs> All righty, and we're back. So we're going to be moving right into trade targets for this upcoming week. These are guys that we think are underperforming what they should be doing, or maybe their perceived value is a little bit lower, and we're trying to go out and get them. So I won't believe we're my first one. It's DJ Moore. The man has really underperformed what he should be doing. Um, there's a statistic out there. It's called A dot. So it's basically your average depth of target. Essentially how it's tracked is, okay, so you uh, you run down the field, and how far does the ball travel whenever you throw that ball and to the point where that person is targeted? And DJ Moore is always really high in that. And it makes a lot of sense for that to be a sticky statistic for future performance. And so DJ Moore, I think he's an absolute slam. And you're going to be able to get him at a very, very low rate. So I think DJ Moore is a great target right now. I'll add to that as well. So you gave a good description of dot, but a big part of it too is those are more valuable targets. Like, Getting a catch in PPR is only one point, but getting a catch for 20 yards is three. So although it's good to rack up catches, you, you, you want to get yards. You want to put up a 100-yard performance. And unless you're Debo Samuel, you're you're not getting 100 yards if your ADOT is behind the line of scrimmage, right? Like he was like the last receiver to ever do that. And it was just because last year was such a weird year. So yeah, I like the 
I like the pick, and I, and I think you know DJ Moore's burned people enough that I don't think you are going to necessarily have to give up a lot to get him. It's going to just depend on who the owner is. You know, they they might be like, "I'm done, Baker's garbage." Like, I I want away from this Panthers team. You know, no matter what. And if that's the case, you know, maybe you can move uh, like a Tony Pollard for him. And I think that's something that, depending on your team, you know, might be worth doing. Yeah. And depending on like how much groveling you're willing to do, like there's some very easy statistics that you can show out. Like Lavinska Chenault, who they traded like a fifth round pick for, is having more receiving yards so far than DJ Moore on the current Carolina Panthers. So DJ Moore is just completely underperforming. And I think you could really spend a nice narrative and get him for pretty cheap. Who's your first? And then I'll go with so I'll go with another Panther. I think CMC so far, and this might be a tough trade to pull off because someone got him with their second or third overall pick, but he hasn't necessarily been doing like just popping off, right? So people are used to if CMC is healthy, I'm locking in 25 points to my lineup, and that hasn't been him to this point this year but he has been healthy and actually playing, which is fantastic. And I think he'll move up into those larger games because last game he had a hundred yards against the saints. He just didn't score a touchdown. So like touchdowns are hard to predict, but if you're getting the the yardage, I mean, touchdowns follow yards, especially for running backs. And he's getting high value touches, high value catches and all that. Someone might be looking at just the stat line and not realizing that seems he's playing very well. And that might be enough to be able to get them off of a you know a very premium running back asset. And you know if you do a classic kind of two for one trade where they feel good about adding depth to their team and you feel good about consolidating talent, that's someone I'd I'd love to to go after. Yeah, definitely. I love CMC. If you can end up getting them, I I threw an offer to a friend this past week of Amon Ra for CMC. I think a lot of people are a little bit tired of the the cat and mouse, the lack of touchdowns, the offense just not being overly dynamic, but like. He's a guaranteed 100 yards or a touchdown pretty every pretty much every single game. He's been doing it for a long, long time. So I, I love CMC as a target here. I think you could get him for like an Amon Ra or another wide receiver that's had a very, very fast start, um, especially for someone that you don't think is like sustainable. So like a Hollywood Brown would make a lot of sense. Hollywood just came off a 14 catch performance. and like, that's not going to happen again. So I think it makes a lot of sense to try and get a CMC for someone who started. And, and just to highlight too, so 80% snap share. Okay, back-to-back 100-yard weeks. He got 25 touches, or I guess 29 touches if you count receptions. Or, sorry, 25 carries, two receptions, but four targets. Like, he's getting the usage you want out of a running back. He just has not gotten the touchdowns. He had a touchdown week one, but that was actually his worst week. He had 10 carries for 33 yards. That's when you'd be scratching your head going like, uh, uh-oh, like this is not what I signed up for. These past two weeks are classic Christian McCaffrey. 100, 100 rushing yards is what you want. He just didn't get in the end zone. Sometimes that happens. I'd I'd be trying to really move move some uh, some players around if you, if you have a a league mate that's just no longer wanting to be with CMC. Yeah, the moment that Matt Rule gets fired, whew, this offense going to take off. So <laughs> I think that's a great great point. Uh, let's move on to the next guy. I have Tom Brady as my next trade target. I'm definitely not trying to pander to Jimmy D here. Not trying to get him to like me more. But so far, Tom Brady has looked like old man Tom. This I think a lot of people are starting to think that like maybe this is the end. Maybe we've kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit. But he's QB 27 right now. The Buccaneers haven't looked overly dynamic. But I think 
uh, you mentioned earlier, just got to use a little bit of logic. Like the situation just doesn't really work out right now. Mike Evans was suspended this past week because he decided to start a fight with Marshawn Lattimore, which, uh, you know, got to protect your quarterback. Chris Godwin has been hurt. He hasn't been his full self whenever he played, and then he's been out the last couple of weeks. The other guys that are on the peripheral, Julio Jones, he came out that he actually had had a little bit of an injury as well, um, but he was going to continue trying to play through that. He didn't play this this past week, but he should play going forward. Um, and then some of the other guys, Russell Gage, have also missed some time. So I think the situation is only going to get better around Brady, and we don't really see him be slow the entire time. And whenever there's a guy who led the, led the entire NFL in passing yards, last year as well as touchdowns i think he's someone that you should definitely target and he's not gonna be qb 27 the entire time so and there's obviously not a lot of opportunity if you're in like a one quarterback league to pick up a brady but if you had trey lance for example and he's out for the season if you had dak prescott and he's gonna be missing significant time i think you could get brady on the cheap like you could trade a low level receiver in order to get tom brady at this point like you could end up giving like a Brandon cooks really easily in getting him. I think you give up Brandon Ayuk and get Tom Brady. Like there's some really easy plug and play guys in order to get a Tom Brady. And I, I think he could really sustain you if you need someone to get you by. Yeah. I, I like this choice. So for one, you know, the, the injuries are, are definitely affecting him right now. You're hoping Godwin comes back sooner than later. You know, if he had any one of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin or Julio Jones, they win that game yesterday. And right now they just, they're just a little out of sync. You know, it's, he's playing with a lot of new receivers. Um, you know, some of it may be self-inflicted by missing some at camp, but there's, there's just a timing thing that there's a little off. They had some bad fumbles yesterday that just killed drives where they were. And he still, he put up a good performance in the sense of no turnovers, you know, a little under 300 yards and a touchdown. It, it was an okay week for Tom. It's like a, an 18 point week, you know, not like, not world beating or, you know, what you're maybe used to with Tom, but to your point, if you have an injured quarterback and you can get him for cheap, he's got an offense that he, you know, he's the focal point. Uh, it's just unfortunate right now that the pieces aren't particularly fantastic. So it's, it's not working out, but Evans will be back. Godwin will come back. You'll get flashes of Julio Jones. That'll make the offense better. If you can get for cheap, I think it's worth it. And then you just leave them as your, you know, you have a two QB rotation where you're just playing matchups, I, I think is what you do with them. Exactly. Exactly. What's your second target? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and stick with the quarterbacks. So I, I've been watching enough of these games uh, where the Cardinals just look kind of bad. And then, you know, some things happen. And then all of a sudden you look at Kyler Murray's stat line and it turned out to be an okay fantasy performance. I, I think he's one of those quarterbacks that people either love him or hate him. And you can take advantage of that if someone hates him. So he's QB8 right now, uh, you know, a 20-point performance, a 26-point performance. And then yesterday was kind of rough with the Rams, only 13 points. But, uh, you know, he, he has that touchdown upside. He's I, – I think I saw something that's like he's trying to – like catching him while scrambling is like trying to catch a toddler with a cell phone. Like it's just impossible. Um, I, I think you can get him for fairly cheap for what he is, which is, you know, the focal point of his offense. And – you know, DeAndre Hopkins is coming back in three weeks. That's going to help him out. Their their offense is just going to have to run through him because, you know, James Conner's not having all that great of a season so far. I, I think he just kind of ran into, you know, a bit of a rough start. Kansas City's defense a little bit better than maybe people anticipated. Also just a bad game script in the sense of, like, they were just blown out the whole game. Uh, the Rams, obviously a tough defense, but you're getting Carolina. You're getting the Seahawks coming up. You're getting Minnesota. 
like you're getting some teams that you can put up some points against. And, and if you can get it for cheap, I think I'd give it a try. Yeah. I love Kyler. I love him going into the season and he's only going to be getting more and more weapons coming back. DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore, they haven't played at all. And I think Kyler's been incredible so far. Like he's definitely had some rough starts, but he's ended games extremely well and he's been winning them games and he's turned Greg Dortch into something. And I love Greg Dortch. I love the human Dortch. So I, I think he's a sustainable guy going forward. I think bringing up Rondale Moore is a good point. He, he's been missing his weapons this season and you can't say, well, Tom Brady's missing weapons. Go trade for him and be like, yeah, but Kyler Murray's garbage, even though he's missing his weapons. So you can't trade for him. Like, I think they're kind of in that same vein where it's like, you know, there's an avenue for them to really take off. They just need some pieces to fall in place. And, and most of that is health related. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, my last guy, I don't want to belabor the point too much with him. Brees Hall. I think it makes a lot of sense to go out and try and grab him. Uh, ESPN hates him like i don't know what Brees hall to do he must have pissed in his cheerios or something but espn projected him for only seven points this past week he definitely surpassed that but didn't have an incredible week this is the first week though that Brees hall running back for the jets surpassed michael carter and snap percentage and rushes as well so i think it makes a lot of sense to go get Brees hall the the coaching staff is starting to trust him a little bit more and so yeah go get Brees hall the talent levels there as well Perfect. And then my last pick is uh, to say kind of the point with Kyler Murray is DeAndre Hopkins. So this one's a little bit more niche, but if you're three and zero, and you know you feel good about your starters, and you kind of look around of like, is there a way I can kind of make that push to being a, a real contender? And you go out there and you see that team that has DeAndre Hopkins is zero and three, one and two, clearly freaking out. You know they for some reason drafted DeAndre Hopkins, which wasn't smart. Like you've already let them take half of the suspension. If you can throw a depth piece at them and get Hopkins, you're going to get a wide receiver one who we've seen him play very well with Kyler Murray when he's in and he's going to have fresh legs and, and be ready to go for the last 10 weeks of the fantasy season to where I'd just be, I'd be very excited to be able to get him at this point because you're, you're losing all the downside and you're just getting the upside of picking up that asset. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go ahead and move on to guys that you would be cutting who you don't think is worth rostering at this point. We're going to do waiver targets right after this, but on the flip side of that, if you're picking up someone, you also have to cut someone as well. So mine is simple. It is one person. It is Kadarius Tony. This man has done me wrong. I was a big believer in him going into the season, and he has done nothing right so far. Uh, he ends up being a scratch for tonight's game against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's not worth rostering at this point. I, I know you drafted him in the top 100. Uh, he's going to have that little ADP that said, oh, I got drafted top 100. Not worth it. Cut him. He's done. He, you got to cut him off at this point. Yep, that's my big one. I put Tony, Tony, Tone. You got you to get him off your roster. It's unfortunate because we were pretty pretty high on the talent. I think his time is just, it's up in New York. I, I, they were talking about potentially trading him in the offseason. I think it's just going to be best for all parties. He's going to get traded for like a fourth or fifth round pick. And they're going to say, look, it, it seems to be a character thing. He just needs a fresh start. So it's, I don't know, it's not looking great for him. Yeah. And then I, th- this one's tough because you pick this guy in the fifties. I'm not keeping Darnell Mooney on my roster. If I could get any asset for him in trade, which I don't know how you could, I'd be doing it. But the Bears don't want to throw the football. It's not that they're bad at throwing it. They just don't want to. And and the whole point of why you drafted Darnell Mooney this year was you're like, well, those targets are going to go somewhere. Allen Robinson's gone. Like Mooney's going to feast by getting 20 targets a game, even if they're not the best targets. 
that's not the case. He's getting no targets a game, and the ones that he does get are bad. And it's just not a good situation. If you can get a Khalil Herbert off the waiver wire, I'm getting rid of Darnell Mooney to make room for him. Oh, easily, easily. Like if there was an underlying statistics that told us that Mooney or any of the Bears receivers were going to be good going forward, trust us, we would tell you. But it is incredibly bleak, and it's it's like what we talked about going into the season. Like as much as you love these guys, as much as you're married to them. Uh, It makes sense to hold on to guys that have the underlying numbers that can potentially be good later on, like a DJ Moore. But it doesn't make any sense if they are just not going to be parts of the offense. And Darnell Mooney is just not part of the playbook right now. I I mean, do you remember? uh, Say, do you remember last year when uh, Allen Robinson was kind of the same boat? You draft him in the 40s or 50s just based off the talent. And you're kind of holding on to him like, yeah, it's not working quite yet with Fields, but I know he's a jump ball guy. He's going to do it. And then just like, if you didn't cut him by week two, you were just holding on to someone that was never going to produce. Like that's Mooney this year. Yeah. The dude was taking balls off the jugs machine after the game. I think it was just because he didn't know what it felt like to catch a ball. Like he just <laughs> forgot because it's been so long. It's just you got to get him off your roster. Maybe we should name this segment the the Adam Driver segment. It's like that gif from Star Wars where he's like, "You need to quit holding on." <laughs> what it reminds me yeah, of pretty, pretty much <laughs> yeah so then who are you picking up uh you, you drop these uh these assets who, who are you filling your roster up with yeah, i'm gonna keep it real with you chief the the quarterbacks ain't that great this week um it, you might not. get a zap or something like that if you're truly desperate but i went jared goff i sold the guy that you that you used last week uh he's contained he's sustained some of the production so far he's qb 11 right now uh he looked a-okay against the vikings which doesn't win you your matchup but it doesn't also doesn't make you lose it so i went golf you know golf saved me this week in a two quarterback league he's a perfectly adequate quarterback in the quarterback slot i mean it's it's not going to jump off the page at you but he's he's got good targets and he's he's getting a, a touchdown or two a game he's He's not turning the ball over too much, or at least enough to ruin his stat line. He's so a, he's a solid uh, five. He's like he's a five, and he's like five foot nine, and you know he's just adequate. You know, like someone that you could yeah. date, but like not necessarily someone that you marry. And I so I don't feel great about this, but to your point, it's bleak out there for quarterbacks right now, especially a two QB league. But you know, maybe Matt Ryan he proved finally this week that they're maybe starting to get things clicking wasn't turning the ball over at least not as much which felt good if you need 15 points out of that that second quarterback or that super flex spot i think matt ryan could be a guy and he's possibly on the waiver wire for that first couple of weeks yeah screw the qbs they're not fun but running backs were fun so running backs were fun running backs are fun give me alexander madison at running back so his ownership percentage uh, dropped below 50 percent. so he's eligible for this category he's at 46.2 percent in most leagues and so I think Alexander Madison is in line for a lot of carries going forward. If he gets traded, it would be amazing. But also right now, Dalvin Cook ended up sustaining an injury and their win over the Lions this past week. So Madison should be the starter going forward. We don't really know the full extent of the Cook injury. It looks like it's day-to-day or week-to-week. But either way, Cook gets hurt a lot. Alexander Madison is worth a pickup now that we know that Cook is definitely going to be hampered at least at some point going forward. And if he gets traded, it's even higher upside. And I'll stick with a with a a classic running back handcuff here, but Khalil Herbert, man, David Montgomery goes down first quarter. What does Khalil Herbert do? Twenty carries, one hundred fifty-seven yards, two touchdowns. Old, Not a bad stat line. The old ball. Is like I said, <laughs> like I was saying earlier, man, I have him on a lot of rosters. There's no way anyone in their right mind is is taking or was starting him this week. But going forward, if Montgomery's out of the lineup, he has to be 
in your lineup. Like there's no reason you could not put him in there. If for volume alone, like teams knew, like the Texans knew the Bears were going to run the ball. A pass was a trick play and it did not matter. This Bears team can actually run block decently well. And this dude can run through tackles. I mean, he was breaking tackles, breaking ankles. He looks damn good with the ball in his hands. You got to get Khalil Herbert. I would trade for Khalil Herbert. I don't know how long Montgomery's out, but like he's just going to be earning more touches by showing how valuable he is with Monty out. Look at us saying positive things about Chicago Bears. Your friend would be happy with this podcast. He's going to be so happy. He he listens to the pod. He'll 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 be this moment. You know what? He'll he'll text me and he'll be like, "Finally, some respect on the name." He's a real homie. Yeah, Khalil Herbert loved him coming out of college too. So it's not like he's just like a rando. He went to Virginia Tech and was a late down, late round running back. Reminds me a lot of like Alfred Morris. So hopefully he ends up getting his, uh, his time with his son. Him having this performance is like vindication for me. Cause I don't know if you remember the pre-draft season, but I'm like, guys, he is like always there when you're making that last death piece. Like he is the best handcuff you can get. Grab yourself some Khalil Herbert. Monty eventually might go down. And if he does, you want Herbert. So like, this is like, see, I told you now, obviously he didn't start him last week, but Going forward, this is the guy you want. Do your horn, Jimmy D. We love to see it. At wide receiver, I have a familiar face, Joshua Palmer, Josh Palmer, whatever he likes to go by. Uh, He's in 31.9% of leagues he's owned in right now. Um, He had a pretty solid week two whenever Keenan Allen went down. And now Jalen Guyton, their typical slot receiver guy, uh, he's now out for the season. So it seems like Joshua Palmer will easily take in that role. He'll have a lot of targets going forward, especially if Keenan Allen continues to be hurt. And Justin Herbert didn't look awful with the injury this past week. So there'll be a lot of targets available. And I think he can kind of step into that role really easily. And I think he makes sense as a stash. You maybe don't start him this upcoming week unless you're kind of desperate, but I think he's someone that could be on the up and up very, very quickly. Yeah. The volume, he loved to see it. So uh, not as much a volume play, but definitely a deeper sleeper. Zay Jones is only out in like 14% of sleeper leagues. And this Jaguars passing offense is, it's for real, man. Trevor Lawrence looks great. They're slinging the ball. I mean, if you're a Jags fan, you're excited. Like out or uh, not, oh my goodness. Um, James Robinson, thank you. Not, Not Allen Robinson. James Robinson came back from Achilles injury in nine months and just looks like he's right back to being that running back one should have been drafted in like the top 40, but no one did. And I, you got to feel good as a Jags player or as a Jags fan, Zay Jones is getting good targets. He's getting touchdowns. He's not someone you feel great about, but you know, when you need someone, you're injured, you need a flex guy. I think you can feel comfortable putting Zay Jones in. Shout out James Konski. You know, he's got to be elated right now. And Konski has got to be feeling himself. Dude, the whole front office for the Jags are just vindicated right now. Like Christian Kirk's looked amazing. Zay Jones looks amazing. People were clowning them this offseason for having bad offseason overpays the whole nine yards. And they've looked great so far. Like it's exciting times in Jacksonville right now. So I like this pickup a lot. So that's good. So uh, I I didn't even couldn't even think of a tight end. I feel like there's just so many people like the, the tight end position is so tough to get anyone that's like if they're not a top three guy, it's like it's whatever. So who who are you trying to get as a top as a tight end? Yeah, here? I took the only obvious one, which makes sense why you didn't have one. Uh, it's Tyler Conklin. So Tyler Conklin signed a similar deal to CJ Ozoma this past offseason, which again. Doesn't make sense. He signed a three-year, $21 million deal with the Jets coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, He's only owned in 11.5% of leagues right now, but he is tight in four on the season. 
Like it is insane to me that he isn't owned in more leagues. If you're someone like me who didn't draft a, a tight end early in a lot of leagues, it was either pits or nothing for me, honestly, in a lot of leagues. Uh, Conklin makes too much sense as someone that you should go after. His target share has been really consistent, right in between six targets and 10 targets per game. Who knows what will change once Zach Wilson comes back. But as long as Joe Flacco's out there, he's going to be throwing it to Tyler Conklin. Um, if you can get a top five tight end just for free, that's insane to me. So uh, he's someone that you can comfortably plug and play going forward. I was about to ask, are you nervous about Zach Wilson coming back? Because I feel like that just changes the entire dynamics of the Jets offense. Oh, no, Robert. It's almost like a, it's almost like going right back to week one. It's like a complete reset. Like, OK, who is good again? Nah, Robert Sala loves him some Joe Flacco. He says he's elite. He knows that he's a starter in this league. Zach Wilson's benched and he's done. Now, I think once Wilson comes <laughs> back, he'll need some time to kind of ease back a little bit and we talk a lot about like tight ends being safety blankets and i think conklin is one of those true ones because he can actually pass protect and go out for uh, catches Uh, he's not gronkowski-esque or anything like that but he is a talented player and i I think that wilson could benefit from a good tight end so i think he would yeah you're assuming though that a guy who's willing to shoot his shot on one of his mom's friends cares about a safety blanket that guy is chucking it deep and he's pointing to the crowd he's gonna find his gal out there every game i I just don't know how you can say he wants a safety blanket he's a risk taker but yeah risk taker i like playmaker i i love conklin i think he's a good player so i think he'll stick around um for our hot take section we are going to be power ranking our top five u.s states this week so let's go back and forth let's start at five and we'll work our way up to our number one states out of the 50 what do you have at number five jimmy d i went with florida to me it's just the epitome of wild card bitches you know it's just like you can have an absolute amazing time you could lose your leg to a gator there's so many wild things that could happen in florida you're always going to be on your toes has some of the best beaches, some of the worst people. And that's why it kind of makes it like number five versus, you know, higher up. Florida man's a real thing, but it's it's still a fun state to go to. Just just great things to do and, and a lot to do there. So I, I know plenty of people be like, dude, there's no way that state's hot garbage. But it's like, no, nah, it's it's got some nice things. It's There's a reason people retire there. I like that you had this so that I didn't have to take any of the flack whenever I post a graphic on Instagram of what we have in our top five. But I, oh, I will I will be eating shit for this for sure. <laughs> I genuinely like Florida. I don't love their politics, but like it's a fun state to go to. Florbama, the bar that's right next to Florida and Bama. What a concept. Uh, I think it's a really, really <laughs> fun bar. Uh, and just like the, the beaches are obviously amazing. But like the sporting scene is really great as well. A lot of teams, they're not all fully supported, but like the Miami Heat have a really passionate fan base. The Rays, they don't have a lot of fans, but they have a passionate fan base. The Lightning have been really amazing. So I think Florida gives you a little bit of everything that you could want. In that I'm, I'm glad you brought it back to sports, but man, you got Wikiwaki State Park where you can uh, kayak with manatees. You've got Dry Tortuga National Park, which is a national park that is exclusively a fort out in the middle of the ocean snorkeling uh lobster catching like you got awesome things that you can do in the natural environment yeah. uh the everglades are kind of cool you're not going to go there but they're pretty neat or just like do like an airboat ride through them yeah, like, it's, it's got some good things going for it we give florida so much shit for being like such a weird state it's the people but it's also the people of florida make it the worst yeah and like but like it's a vacation destination for a reason right like there's a reason people go there to retire because it is such a great beautiful state so i i think you gotta have florida somewhere around your top 10 so i like this one my number five is probably the hottest of my top five i put arkansas here 
it's the natural state. I, I think it's the natural state for a reason. It has the singular best hiking I've ever had in my entire life. Some amazing views. Um, Hawksbill Craig is absolutely amazing. If you haven't been there, it's great in the summer. It's great in the winter. Um, the, the Just the people there are also extremely nice. Like if you get outside the racist areas, at least. Um, it has a lot of... Just like, and how, how hard is it to get outside the racist areas? Not too tough. You just got to go for the places okay. where it looks like there's people that don't say a slur at you as soon as they see you. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it just like going to like different coffee shops or biking around. I, going to Bentonville is honestly super fun. Just being at the home of Walmart, seeing all the other random little experiments, sandboxes that they're doing there. So I, I, I love Arkansas for what it is. Fayetteville's a really good time. I was there this past week. Um, so like that's kind of their big sporting event that they have going on. And honestly, just driving through Arkansas is a vibe. I've done it multiple times, um, tip to tip. And I, I, it's, it's fun. It's a beautiful state to drive through, hike through. And I think it's really slept on. Yeah. Mac and D tip to tip. <laughs> I love uh, so I, for number four, I, and I don't know. Yeah. I think this is a safe four, but I went with North Carolina. It's a, it's a pretty state. They've got a lot of great history. If you're into any in the colonial area type aspects of America, Myrtle beach is a fun place to go. I've, I've spring break there before. I just think there's a lot of a lot of positive there. Um, I mean, Carolina barbecue, I think, is, is underrated. I love that that vinegar based sauce. So, I, wait, I'm I'm from the Midwest. I've been to a lot of pretty shitty states. So when you actually make it out to like a Carolina, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I like North Carolina. I haven't been all over North Carolina. I've really only been to Charlotte, a shitty airport, but really cool city. And yeah, I like their sports teams a lot too, just in general, like the Panthers. Like the Tar Heels, yeah. you know, that's exciting. That's good stuff Appalachian right there. State. Like you got some different cool places to go. So I, I need to get out there a little bit more. So um, I, I think it's a worthy inclusion at number five. So uh, my number four is Colorado. This might be a little low for some people. Um, I think Colorado is a lot of fun. I, I think the big thing that I have an issue with is I get really bad altitude sickness. Like both times that I've been to Colorado for a prolonged period of time, I, I have one day where I just have to sit there and do nothing. And I think you have to kind of bake that into your rankings a little bit. When you're not doing that, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I I got to meet Blake Griffin whenever I was in Colorado one time. That was super cool. The bars are a lot of fun. I, I went to play pool one time with my brother, and there were a bunch of just randos just betting on our game, and it made it really hype and really exciting. Uh, and obviously, the mountains incredible. Um, I, I've been skiing, snowboarding, everything out there before, and it is truly beautiful. Denver Nugget games are extremely underrated as well. Uh, people get really hyped going to them because they have a really weird TV contract where people can't watch them at home if you're in the local market. So you literally have to go to the game or you can't even pay attention to the game. So uh, the Nuggets games are a lot of fun. Everyone's super high. So it's, it's a great time. It's a vibe. <laughs> it's, I'm glad you, you picked Colorado. It's a great state. So I went with Montana number three. This place is definitely... It, it gets slept on. So there's only like a million people in this state can fit basically the entire East coast of America, but it has the biggest sky in the whole country. It's, you know, it's big sky country. It's, it's just an amazing state. If you like natural beauty and just being outside, like I dare you to go to uh, glacier national park and tell me it did not change your life. Like that place is so beautiful. You know, the, the mountains, um, the, the crystal clear lakes that you can see down 50 feet. There, there's just so many great things about Montana. Um, 
I just, you just gotta love it. I, I think too many people forget that it exists, and it's like the biggest day outside of you know Alaska. So I'm, I'm going Montana. Yeah, I think people need to consider that we are more outdoorsy kind of people. The my entire list is purely because of outdoor activities. Yeah, you will not see a New York on either of our lists for pretty not much a chance reason. So, um, I, I like that pick a lot. I haven't been up north enough, but I want to get out there. I want to, I want to get to your next pick, which. I won't spoil you, but I want to get to Montana as well. Wyoming, there's a lot of states out there that I haven't hit quite yet. My number three goes out west. I have California. I think the state, uh, the liberal oasis has a lot of like different things that you can do. Uh, the national parks are amazing. Uh, just like the general cities are so much fun. It's it, it's so cool just like being able to be in an apartment and then going downstairs and you can just eat. And it's just like the restaurant that's underneath your apartment. Like, that's pretty incredible to me. Like, you can just go get a breakfast burrito on your way to work. Like, that's pretty sick. You don't have to necessarily drive everywhere either whenever you're in like a San Francisco or in L.A., which is a lot of fun. Um, a lot of great landmarks as well. Uh, if you're in San Francisco, San Francisco, you got like Alcatraz, the Golden Gate Bridge, which are really, really cool sites to see. And then, yeah, you can get outside the city and really hit the California countryside. But beaches are obviously incredible as well. Um, I think I'm. I think I prefer the West Coast than I do the East Coast in a lot of ways as well. Um, and their their sporting scene is obviously incredible. You have like 15 teams in every single league. It's got to be fun. So California, number three for me. Yeah, not surprising there as, as a pick in the top five. I've just never been to California outside of like a layover in San Francisco. So I, I couldn't put in the list. Um, Damn Republic. But number two, I, I know, number two. Had to go with Minnesota. The place has 10,000 lakes. You know, you just can't, you, you got to put some respect on the name there. Uh, just a fantastic place to be in the summertime. I mean, the whole state has like summertime hours where they just don't work on Fridays during the summer because they have two of the most beautiful uh, months of weather followed by 10 of the worst months, which is why it can't be number one because the snow there is brutal and it's real. But you go to like Voyagers National Park. It's an entire park that's just islands and a, a lake. Um, you got... Just, I mean, just it's an insane amount of of anything that you want to do outdoorsy. It's like the best fishing in the country. It, I, I just, I can't say enough great things about Minnesota. Um, nice people. There, I mean, their slogans like Minnesota nice. You know, I mean, they, they just got good people there. It's that's like the the best of what you can offer as a Midwest state, and, and I think it's worth going. Yeah, we have a few mutual friends that live in Minnesota uh, from our MBA program, so I feel like we need to make it out there. Just like have a group trip. That should be like the. The NBA class reunion or something should be in Minnesota, in my opinion. Hell yeah. My number two is probably my most obscure. It's not hot, in my opinion. I think it's pretty lukewarm, but I have Nebraska at number two. Uh, my favorite state ever going growing up. Uh, if you love just classic Midwest city, if you love rows of corn, if you love literally, you, you mentioned Minnesota, nicest piece, people you've ever met, nicest people I've ever met have been in Nebraska. Uh, they will they will lose to your football team and come over and congratulate you and buy you a beer just as like a con- congratulations thing. And I think Nebraska people are just absolutely great. There's a lot of like surprisingly good things to do. I got to see Michael Phelps there growing up because they have the Olympic swimming trials there. Uh, the the basketball scene is great with Creighton. Uh, the football scene is great with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They have the best zoo ever, in my opinion. There at Henry Dorley in Omaha. And Omaha is a very much so growing city. Like, I am shocked that there's not an NFL team there or an NBA team there yet. Um, and then you also have the College World Series during the summer. So, like, it, you got a little bit of everything for everybody. Uh, great place to uh, grow a family as well. 
And I think Nebraska, top two state in the entire United States. Yeah, I'm gonna put that as a, a hot take. I don't think that's lukewarm. That one's that one's pretty spicy. Lukewarm. Uh, mine, I, you already outlined it pretty well. So Colorado, I put it number one. All the reasons you said. Uh, I mean, you got just some of the best national parks. You got Red Rocks Amphitheater. I mean, what Na- Rocky Mountain National Park? You've got the Grand Tetons at the in the southern base. Like, it's it's a great state. I, I don't know what else to say about it that you haven't already highlighted. So just it's it's numero uno. They actually have competent government, which is you know and refreshing to see. So you just you just love it. Yeah, it's a classic number one. I, I think the only slight downfall that Colorado has is just like so expensive to live there. Like we have some family friends that live in Denver, and it's like incredibly it's like every nice place to live though yeah people are just like moving there in droves too ever since covid kind of had my people migrating from city to city so uh but yeah colorado definitely a top five state i think any rankings without colorado top five has to be disregarded so Uh, Mm -hmm. my number one state is south carolina kind of for similar reasons to your north carolina it's warm it's pleasant uh charleston is absolutely insanely nice like if you can think of like a storybook city uh, it's definitely that Charleston, South Carolina. It's kind of like a city stuck in time, which is really cool and really great. Um, the food is incredible. Like I also love the vinegar barbecue too. And yeah, it's just, it's such a comfortable temperature all year round. Like it's a little bit sticky for some people, but I, I kind of like the humidity a little bit. And I, I just think it's an absolutely beautiful state. They, they do a great job of just like keeping it clean. Um, Columbia is also really great with the university of Southern Cal- uh, South Carolina not Southern California. And yeah, I, I just think top to bottom, South Carolina, absolutely best state in the Commonwealth. I couldn't help but notice we didn't put Illinois or Missouri in this top five list or do we hate where we grew up? Is that the, the takeaway their listeners should have? Yes. Okay, good. Right, I've got nothing else. If you don't have anything else. No, I'm really excited for this week. Uh, Thursday night football should be fun. I'm going to go watch the rest of this game though. That's on right now. The Cowboys game. Yep, I've got it on right in front of me. So you guys have a good one. Thanks for listening. Yeah.